And welcome to another edition of Guitar Tales. I love that clip. It is so funny, especially when we all first learned there's our very first song, the one string version of Smoke on the Water. Uh, we have a great show tonight. We have a gear show, which is literally my favorite thing to do. I love the gear shows. And before we start, uh, we always want to thank uh, Charles O'Reilly, our sponsor over at Mischief Studios over in Pennington, New Jersey. They do a great job, repairs, recordings, musicianship. You can record your music when you write the great uh, song that you've written. Um, and he'll sell you instruments. He'll do everything for you. South Main Street in Pennington. Go visit Charles. He's an old uh, season one guest of ours and a friend of the show. Tonight, this will be a fun one. We've got Rick Taylor of Vintage Guitars, RBI Music. We've been chatting with him in the virtual green room even before we started. He's got great stuff. He's got great enthusiasm. And he's a bass player himself. I don't know if it's time to put the picture up. Scott, if you want to throw that picture up now. Otherwise, we'll do it later. Let's see if you're fast on the draw. So there is the great Rick Taylor. Rick, thanks for joining us tonight. I'm happy, happy, happy to be here. Uh, we'd love to have you. So I've already committed uh, to buying uh, one of your guitars. Scott's been sending me uh, pictures of the, uh, the guitars that look a little similar to what Pete used back in the day. And they look absolutely fabulous, absolutely fabulous. But you guys are doing amazing work there. And, and, and I guess my starting point, um, to use the word reverence, which I think is the answer to my rhetorical question, what got you into doing this specific kind of guitar production? Uh, well, it's a, it's a very short story, actually, but it's an interesting one. So um, before RBI Music hired me, uh, they were at a point where they were getting a distribution deal to the United States for the vintage brand that had been here for about 10 years okay. and had a small presence, but really wasn't growing. And they were going to get a, uh, they wanted to get a new distributor. So they picked RBI. My former VP, uh, Robert Lee at SAMIC, when I was working at the time in Nashville, okay. was working here and had gotten the whole distribution deal together. He had left at the time to go to St. Louis Music to be the executive vice president there and recommended that I come in um, to apply for the job and uh, to get this ball rolling with vintage in the United States. So um, to be honest with you, I looked at it and at SAMIC, we were already doing these common shaped guitars. It's something okay. that SAMIC does up to 50,000 guitars a month. At the wow. 50,000 a month. Yeah, that's no joke. Epiphone, Washburn, Squire, you name it, it comes out in that factory. It's a really good factory. Is that so the I'm same? Is that like a court where they make, you know, a lot of the guitars we've always seen, but you don't know the company behind it kind of thing? Same thing. Court is also in Indonesia, as far as I know. And uh, it's a different factory, though. Samek is his own factory. Right. Um, so I looked at it and I was like, eh, we're already doing Strats and Tellies and Les Pauls. And... The owner of the company called me and said, you don't understand what these guitars are about. You're a gear nut. I want you to come to New York. Right. And you've playing tickets. You meet with me and Trev and Dennis Drum, the owner of the company, and our owner here, Brad. Let's just talk about it. Let's just get together. So I flew to New York. And after spending a half hour with Trev Wilkinson, I just fell in love with the guy. He is. Yeah. He can geek out on gear. He's forgotten more than I'll ever know in guitars and and we just blabbed on for hours about gear and when he started telling me about all his patented hardware and and it's all the under the hood stuff the light bulb went off i was like ah now i get it now okay. i get it. this brand is different from every other me too brand and so I also I'm, I'm gonna cut you off tell me i know what you mean but tell everyone what you mean by the under the hood stuff because i love that you said that all right uh if, if I may geek out, because the, the Hell yeah. pieces really show, kind of encapsulate to me 
Okay. What makes these guitars special? But it's not stuff that you just see if you look at a website. And it's why they work and how they work and how I was able to get over 400 endorsing artists now playing these all over the world. Wow. Yeah, that, let's, we're going to geek out. That's what we do here. We're going to geek out. Okay. Yeah. So the first thing we're going to do is look at why do this style of guitar go out of tune quite a bit, usually the G-string. Okay. There's a very good reason for this, and Trev Wilkinson has cracked the code. So let's look at the block, okay? Can you see those block holes? Yes. You see that they're not all in a row. They okay. Are right? Yep, yep, yep. Okay. So when you have into it, when you have block holes that are the same the spacing. So look at the G string, the G string on, on this style of guitar. The reason that that lug right there is taller is because this originally was a wound string. Yeah, really, really tiny core. So it was a weaker output string. So Leo Fender smartly made that lug higher so that all the strings would balance, right? Yeah. Oh, and everybody goes to lighter gauge strings. They use a G string that's unwound. Okay. The thickest core on the guitar. So when you have to do a plain string there, you have to move that saddle way back, right? Because yeah, I'm following. Right. So now you've got a string that goes over the saddle, does a 90 degree turn and goes straight down into the block where all the other strings kind of go at an angle, right? So when you dump that bar and come back, that string doesn't want to reseat properly. So the G string goes sharp and it does it every time, almost every time I've demoed this in hundreds and I show my guitar against some five times the price or 10 times and I'm beating the crap out of it. And the G string doesn't go sharp. It's because the block holes follow the intonation line. So all the strings go into yeah. the block at a similar angle. I'm looking at one of my guitars that. and I'm getting it. Yeah. Yep. The other thing is, is a pressing type bar. There's no okay. threads here. You press the bar in. There's a little grub screw on the back of the block that adjusts how hard it is. So you can let it flop around or you can set it to where you push it in and it stays any height or any angle. Very cool. The other thing is all of the pickups in here, unlike guitars in this price range, and there right. are many, these pickups are properly cal calibrated. So Voltage on a string is done by string movement, right? Yep, yep. The string is going to vibrate the most at the 12th fret, right in the middle. So the less motion, the less output. So you exactly. have to have the bridge pick up a little bit hotter than the middle and a little bit hotter than the neck. Otherwise, you have to compensate, which is why you see a lot of cheap guitars where the bridge pickup is <laughs> touching the strings. And yeah. the neck pickup is then buried in the pickup just to yep. get the volumes right. But then you lose all the top end here and you have too much magnetic pull here. So by making sure the pickups are properly calibrated for their pickup position, you can row through the different pickup positions and all the volumes balance perfectly. And that's another Trev Wilkinson thing. The other interesting thing is we use a new bone, GraphTech nut, and right. another side story, let's geek out even further. Oh, hell yeah, Trev, hell yeah. Trev also invented the roller nut. Remember so the tell roller us about nut? It. Okay. This is really interesting. So the roller nut is the one that um, right up until recently when um, Jeff Beck passed away, he used the roller nut on his Strat um, yeah. until the day he died. And what it is, it is two little tiny ball bearings on each side of the string. So it allows the string to glide through the nut. There's no friction. Steve Ray Vaughan used it. Clapton used it. I asked him why we don't. he didn't when he designed these guitars, and he said when they invented graphite nuts and stuff, it's really slick. You really don't need it, and it adds cost. But okay. with bone nuts, they were a problem because a bone nut is like a tree. Yeah. If you're filing on a nut, you hit a soft spot, and all of a sudden, whoops, you've gone too far, and you got to start over. Right. With this graph tech stuff, boy, you can cut a nut slot to a fraction of a millimeter perfect, and it's smooth, and it glides, and it really helps with this too. The next thing... See these tuners? Yes. You see how high these are? There's three tall ones and three shorties. Oh, that's so that the frustration of having way too much winding on the longer strings is covered now. Well, and the best part, do you see any string trees? Not, not a one. 
They don't need them. That's another yeah. source of friction. So when you drop the bar again, now it's got to glide through string trees. It's got to deal with this. It's got to deal with the knot. So you've eliminated the string trees and it yeah. calls them easy locks. So rather than have a mechanism on the back that you have to unscrew or lose, he said, well, let's just drill another hole through the posts. So there's two perpendicular holes. So you wrap one string around the opposite side, pull it tight, do one wrap around the post, and it's a locking tuner. Wow. Now show me the show me the machines on that. Yeah. Yeah. And these this particular one has the uh, icon ones, they're relics. Yeah. But they're what really classic. makes it happen is the fact that there are different heights. Yeah, that's brilliant. I've never is that some I've never seen that. Is that something that I wouldn't have seen elsewhere? You as far as I know, it's it's a Trev Wilkinson. Uh, it's it's trademarked. I know. I don't know if it's patented, but uh, yeah, these are called the Trev Wilkinson Easy Locks. Now show us where the holes are again. The the perpendicular it, holes, because that's interesting see, to me. But if you look, there's a hole here. A little higher. There we go. If I flip it around, there's another one at the bottom. Oh, I love that. So you go around this way. I've got instructions on how to wind them. It's the same one Reverend Guitars uses, and a lot of guys use them. Um, you wind it around the other side and then pull it tight through the other hole, and it's a locking tuner, period, with no extraneous parts or anything to break or lose a wheel out the back of the neck or something like that. So Right. But, you know, you put all that together in a guitar that's 599. That's ridiculous in a good American way. American alder, Canadian rock maple, and an East Indian rosewood neck. I mean, what more do you want? Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and this and is all Trent Wilkinson stuff. Now, what about yeah. tell us about the pickups on that? So that we know they're the calibrated. Pickups, what yeah, they're, the pickups are made in South Korea in a really good factory. They are Alnico fives. There is absolutely nothing different than what you would spend on a name brand American made pickup. Right. Use the correct wire, the correct bobbins. It is very much a um, an early 60s style um, pickup. So, you know, if you're a fan of EMGs or something higher up, but that's fine. But if you're really after what he's going after with these guitars is the traditional tone of yeah. what he thinks his flat should sound like early 60s. That's what those pickups will do in perfectly. Well, it's yeah. really amazing to me, you know, in, in this, I mean, look, I, I've got right here, I've got this incredibly fancy camera that's one by two inches. You know, we're, I'm talking to you through a laptop. Um, <laughs> I, I have, you can't see it, but I've got my, um, you know, my, um, uh, my ethernet cable. We're doing all this modern shit. And then back here, I've got, a newer guitar, but we're chasing the P90, you know? And, and I think that's really interesting that, you know, there, there's something incredibly iconic about those sounds that, that started this revolution from across the pond, a reverse revolution, I guess, right? Uh, from one, a couple hundred years earlier. And, and we're still, in, in a way that I think is good, and in a way that I think is nostalgic and authentic and searching, we're 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 still chasing that beautiful sound. You know, I have a theory on that. If you want to hear it, I do. And it's just a theory, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think people people in a visceral level connect to the human voice. Okay. So the further away that you get with auto tune, right. And all these things that make a human voice artificial is cool to dance to. It's cool in its place. But every once in a while, there'll be a ballad on the radio where someone is not using that or, or a really good vocal performance that connects. You could tell it's real and it's a monster hit, even though it could have been quantized to the grid and made perfect. But it connects to people in a certain way. Yeah. I think that the original analog pickups connect to human ears in a certain way that can't be copied with modelers and all this other stuff. Not that they don't have their place. I use them. You yeah. use, we're, we're connecting via technology. But at the end of the day, you run really good pickups through a tube amp. Oh, my God. There's something very analog and very visceral about it that I think our ears associate better with um, a connection to the 
the heart, whatever that uh, is. Yeah, I, I couldn't soul. agree more. I couldn't so agree you, more. You keep coming out with P90s or, or really good single coils or a beautiful, you know, nickel covers and all Nico 5 magnets and a beautiful PAF humbucker that's crafted, has a certain tone that people connect with that you can't quite get when you're doing everything digitally. No, and then yeah. I'll even... And, and here's the other thing. Take everything you said and and let's attribute it to the creator, not just the listener. So now with the creator, so you have the audience who hears it and it connects with them. Imagine what it does to the creative juices of the woman or man playing that guitar through that tube amp. And, and I think it informs the musical and the artistic product that, that flows out of them because yeah, they're feeling so, right. it all the more. Yeah, so the inspiration goes both ways. The yeah. artist is feeling it in an organic way, not through technology, but through a, 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 a mm -hmm. chunk of magnet and wire it's and crazy. tubes and wire and caps and speakers and paper. And it connects to the wavelengths of their ears. And then the listener feels that in a yeah. certain way. And again, I'm not bashing electronic music. I love it. And I love the technology and I love modelers. But yeah. if you want to know why people, a lot of people still come back to those those old tube amps and to those old pickups and to a wood or a piece of furniture wood with wood screws. It's crazy. I mean, honestly, this, you know, it can't be this is as simple as it gets, but it works. Yeah. And, you know, I, I said it on one of our earlier shows. What amazes me, you know, I, I think if you probably added up rock and roll and instrument sales and all that, it's probably in the billions. Or, well, we know it's over billions because Taylor alone is billions. But, oh. you know, um, not not you, Taylor, but that, uh, that woman yeah. who had a few concerts. But, uh, you know, there was a day when there was no such thing as amplification of what's happening with strings through a pickup. And then the next day, there was, and, and on a small level, the world changed, and and, and here we are. You know, it, it it allowed us to do all sorts of wacky stuff. Yep. And I, I, you know, I was one. I was the other day. I was chatting uh, with someone who would never, an engineer who wouldn't and shouldn't have known what a Leslie speaker is. And he just uh, when I explained to him what that is, it was to him it was just the coolest thing in the world. Just the absolute coolest thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. If you hear a B3 cranked up to 11 through a, through a Leslie, it, it's a religious experience. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy. Now we're it showing, it is great. So Silvertone, you, yeah. you guys, you, you, you own the Silvertone brand and name, right? Yeah. We acquired that brand in 2021. Okay. Now, uh, so I want to do some history here. My memory is that that was a Sears brand. Am yep. I right? Yep. So I think in my amp history, I think I've owned at least one Silvertone amp. Fun fact, a, a little over 20 years ago, I lived in a Sears Craftsman house. Yeah, they did sell houses. No I question about it. You could buy a house out of the Sears catalog. Yep, I was everything else you could think of. Right. Yeah. It, it was um, built in 1939. It was in the wow. World's Fair. Not, you know, my model, not the actual house. Yeah, yeah. Tiny little house built very well, a smart design for, you know, turn of this, that century. Um, so Sears, that it's amazing. And, and what a great, <clears throat> excuse me, historic name, historic products. Tell us what you know, because that's all I knew was Sears. What is Silvertone? The cool thing about Silvertone was the Sears catalog was basically Amazon before Amazon was Amazon. Right. Yeah. Um, if you lived, just taking aside that they made everything in the world that you could think of, um, if you were a kid, you know, in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and there wasn't a, a music store within two hours of you in 1945, right. you bought out of the Sears catalog. Every, you you're right, I never thought of that. It yeah, was this well, I, for our kids. It was oh, this yeah. thing. It was this yeah, thing. I, I'm 60 years old, so I knew, you know, we used to have the Sears catalog when they're like, kid, I remember it. they delivered. It was a big, thick book. Um, it had an order form. And yep. I used to look at all the guitars in there. And, you know, that's what a lot of people bought 
in areas where they couldn't get any of the name brands that you could get in the big cities, not to mention the fact they couldn't afford them because even back then, $200 oh, yeah. for an electric guitar was well out of range of a crazy guy money. Rural yep. America. Yeah, yeah, adjusted for inflation. So, um, so uh, Sears catalog branded Silvertone. I, I don't exactly know the year. I think I think Silvertone brand started with organs and banjos and all kinds of stuff in 1916, I believe. But when okay. they started doing electric guitars and it really took off during the whole British invasion and the Beatles era, um, I always like to show, which I have here, guys are always busting my chops to reissue this guy, the famous amp and case. Oh, I think buy, I know this. You would buy this guitar and it came in this case with a tube amp. Um, with a little eight-inch speaker, a tremolo, and you just tip the amp on its side, you plug in your guitar, and off you go. Oh, I want one. <laughs> <laughs> I that mean, is... that's cool. You know, until the kid closed the case up and left it turned on with blowing hot tubes and burned the house down. But Right, right. <laughs> that's and that's a, good, that's, that's a little SG-ish in shape, it a little bit. Right. And again, you know, what we're trying to do with this brand is this brand was the the case and everything was done at the Dan Electro Company. Mostly Silvertone used um, Dan Electro and Neptune, New Jersey. Most of the guitars were made by the Harmony Factory in Chicago in the late okay. 50s. Um, this one was Masonite with a pine core. And they used commercial grade wallpaper to hide the seams. <laughs> So when I wanted to re-engineer these guitars, I wanted guitars that I could play instead of a guitar that you might want to play on every once in a while because it's a cool track. Is that a three-quarter guitar, by the way? No, that's a, um, you know, no, this is, um, I think that's the, the a one behind you, though, The black and white one looks kind of, it looks kind of small to me. It's 24 and three-quarters, I believe. I should okay. know that. I'm, I'm not sure. It's either that or 25, the same as the 1303 up up at the top here. Okay. This is a prototype, by the way. You're not supposed to see that. So I don't see anything. I can't tell see you, it. Everybody do this. Yeah, right? I can't see it. Don't worry. So, so what we did with the new one is take that old guitar. I wanted a guitar that I could play all night on a gig if I wanted to. It's solid mahogany. It strings through the back. Right. It's not hollow. It's got higher output pickups. This is a, about an eight resistance, eight and a half and a seven. It has a truss rod wheel. The original one had no truss rod at all. So right. it's completely adjustable. Um, so this is a guitar you can just go up and hammer. Uh, it's quiet. So that's kind of what we've done with the brand. But, you know, Silvertone kids had all kinds of stuff like that. And it's the same thing we did with that amp behind me. That's a 62, 14. 84. That's the okay. amp that the Black Keys are touring with and Jack White. And so we partnered up with uh, Jackson Audio. Oh, look at that. And came up with this, which is basically, it's that amp in a box. Wow. It's all made in America. It's made right up the street here in Keller, Texas. They, so they what? make the boxes. They make the, the jewel light is like this. So there you go. What? So, so tell, give us the specs on that little mini amp. Uh, it's basically one channel. It doesn't have any cab modeling. It's a single channel from this amp that gives the character that amp. It's a very interesting mid-range, a very chewy tone that um, a lot of people fell in love with. There's a good friend of mine, Pat Buchanan, who is a very famous uh, uh, Nashville studio musician. He's played on thousands of records. He's ridiculous. Right, right, right. This was one of his secret weapons, he said. He had it all in a in a um, case, hard case, completely. You know, they they not fixed it, but they bolstered up all of the cabinet because they were made with real thin. Okay. And um, that that was the sound. So the only difference between this and the amp is instead of tubes, they use JFETs. But that's oh, something that, that Jack. Uh, it they're they're transistors that simulate tubes. Oh really. That's the silver tone, and that's basically that amp in the box. That's amazing. Yeah. So that was another project I was dying to do when I worked for Samick, and um, I got to bring to fruition once I bounced over here to RBI and got the resources to do some of this stuff. This oh, was that, a big, that's big a, hit for us. 
And we're That's working on the stuff. second pedal too. So. so is that a pedal or is it an amp? No, it's a pedal. Oh, okay. So you're, you're replicating the sound. Yep. Now, are you using amplification to, to distort, or are you just... Yeah, this is designed to go into the front end of an amp. If you really want the tone, it's really good to, like, hit the uh, effects return into a tube amp. Okay. Uh, but it, but it, it's designed to go in line, you know? It's, okay. It, yeah. There's a lot of videos out about it, and um, it got really good reviews. It's It's just a real subtle tone machine. I um, love that. And, and, and I love, again, it's that reverence to the sound we're oh, chasing, you know? Absolutely. And and it's quality. This is all stainless steel. Right. The best components is nothing in here that won't last you for the rest of your life. We yeah. have the, the jewel light. Um, I, I noted, I actually noticed that. That is yeah. good looking. And yeah. if you look at the knobs, Jackson Audio had these replicated. They're, they're, they're beautiful. They look exactly like the original ones, which I can't get a close up, but. It's yeah. a chrome center, like cupcake knobs with the red line. <laughs> right. And what kind of cabinet is that under there, just out of curiosity? It's a 212. And, and the original, you know, that amp, there's a hole in the back of the cabinet, and you put the amp under the cabinet, and it locks in place. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. Isn't that wild? It it's really is. Amp. And this thing's been all recapped. It, that thing sounds fantastic, cranked up. I mean, it's a beast. Just listen yeah. to any Jack White, you know, a lot of that stuff that he's doing. That that's the amp, pretty much his sound. Um, that's amazing. Just, yeah. Now, what what other uh, what other kids can you show us that are floating around? Oh yeah, um, I've got this prototype coming. Um, this is the what they call the fourteen twenty three, and this has a really nifty little gadget here where the chicken knob. It's it's basically. Oh look at that! It's it's got three positions. The okay. middle position is tied to this, what they call a blender knob. Okay. And what the blender knob is, are you familiar with um, the Gibson, uh, the 345s had that um, very tone. Okay. It's a little, it's a little on the switch. Three, on the 335, you said? Well, no, it's a 345. The 335 okay. didn't have it. It's like the BB King one. It's got a very tone switch, and I think it's okay. four or five different knobs, and it activates different caps that push different mid-range. It's a passive system, so there's no boost. When you boost something, you cut something else. Right, so right, right. The, all these little mid-range bumps that roll the low end off and the high end off. This kind of does that, but they've attached it to a um, a pot that's variable. So basically, okay. if I was to strum this chord in the middle and whiz this around, and there's a video of it um, on our website, it's like a okay. wah-wah pedal on board. And you know who used to do that? Steve Howe used to do that all the time. Yeah, he would take his pinky on the volume pot, right? Yep. And do the volume swells on a lot of their good you stuff. You can do it with this, except for instead of the volume going up and down, what's going to happen is when you trim a chord and whiz this knob around, it's going to go wow, wow, wow. It's a wah-wah pedal with your pinky. Kind I love it. Yeah, and it's done with, um, you know, by messing with the phase of the two pickups in the middle. I love it. And that, by the way, that's a gorgeous guitar. Yeah, and, and these are prototype. Um, these aren't on the market yet. These foil pickups I'm messing with. Oh, okay. They They'll look, be out that... next year. The production models come with Seymour Duncans, which are really nice too. But this, the yeah. original ones had these foil pickups, which is a really neat pickup. It's, um, it's a rubberized magnet that's like your kitchen magnets that you used to just throw on your refrigerator. Okay, yep, yep, yep. Like that with, with wire wrapped around it and shoved in a case. I mean, they're real primitive, but it's a very cool sound. And, and, um, and I love I, that. And it's, and it, yeah. it's, I mean, because someone who's buying that guitar is going to have five or 10 or 15 or 20 other guitars. No so yeah. it, it, it's not a utility guitar. It, it's a specialized guitar, which is great. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. And it's got its own unique kind of thing. Um, and, uh, by the way, I could do this all night. This is, this is something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I want to show you one more cool thing that I did. Hell yeah. Know. This was probably the biggest selling guitar in Silvertone history. Oh, look at that. That looks familiar. Yeah. Well, because a lot of companies have copied it. Yeah. Um, but we call it the pinstripe. They sold thousands. Oh, yeah. It started in the late 40s, and, and it ran all the way through the early 60s. So this was basically press board. 
Uh, okay. This striping is done with spray paint. It's not really a flame top. <laughs> okay. But, you know, again, you know, a kid could buy this guitar for about $7, you know, in the middle of nowhere. It's a small parlor size. Yeah. And even a lot of the um, musicians that were would play slide on it and that sort of oh, thing. Yeah. Which is, pro is good because the action on the old ones was probably horrible anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, obviously, there's no truss rod or anything like that. So I wanted to get the look of it. And I've even had a couple of guys say, well, your new version isn't like the old one. It's like, well, if you want me to order 700 particle board guitars, are you going to buy them all? Because nobody else will. Right, right. So, you know, our whole thing with the Silvertone brand is take the original stuff, update it. We're not trying to make museum pieces here, exact originals. That's not that's not my vision for the brand. My vision for the brand is to take the cool looks yeah. and make it stuff that I can walk on stage and thrash. That yeah. an acoustic is going to sound like a modern acoustic, but give this look some reverence. Yeah. So we and we turned it into this. Oh, look at that. It's got a solid Engelmann spruce top. Layered stripe. Damn. It's, it's got a top of the line Fishman pickup. I mean, what more do you want? It's a great little parlor guitar. It's got the look. But this is going to have a much better tone. It's got a truss rod. It's going to. Oh, my God. So that. <laughs> all right. So I've already committed to buying uh, one of your uh, Pete inspired guitars. I think I have to buy that one, too. That, that's a gorgeous guitar. That yeah, really is. It's our best selling acoustic by far. Yeah, it, it brings wow. back the nostalgia and it's, you know, there's a big, um, not just with this brand, but there seems to be a big uh, interest in smaller guitars. I've always thought they recorded in, in uh, pop music a little better because pe people typically put mic up a dreadnought and roll the low end off anyway in the studio. You know, oh, that's true, yeah. Low end for the most part, unless it's acoustic music or bluegrass where you want it to speak. The full range, all, right. All frequencies, but if you're playing pop music, a lot of these um, little parlor guitars are great in the studio because they don't take a, up a lot of space. You can pan them left and right. They're real jangly and they're great for finger style too. The mid range really picks up the the tone of your fingers. So and, and I would a lot of think you could as a as a guitar player you could probably do a lot more with them. It's it's probably a little easier to play. Almost like weird analogy. If you if you I don't ski much, but I ski a little bit. It's easier to maneuver on on shorter skis. Yeah, you know? so yeah, and not to mention vertically challenged humans. My my wife is a songwriter, and she's five foot four, and part yeah, of that's going to help. More comfortable than a gigantic dreadnought where she's yeah. reaching over it. I'm six two, so it doesn't matter. But wow, parlor guitars have gotten really popular, and there's some really good ones out with the top brands uh, yeah. that I've played recently uh, that are phenomenal. There's um. Uh, Collings Guitars is just south of us here in Texas. They make some scary good stuff. Oh, that's great. Now, Scott has a, a question. He wants to take a look at some of the vintage lining, <clears throat> and he's interested in the V100 LP. Yeah, let's get back to that because there's still a lot of cool stuff to geek out on. Um, we kind of got off tangent here. I'd oh, like it's all fun. We got time. Yeah, I'd like to show you this guy. Oh, my God. Look at that. This also kind of goes to what the vintage brand is about and why I, I think the brand has grown so well. And it's, again, we're talking about real, real subtle under the hood stuff. Okay. Yeah. When people think of this guitar, I forgot to take out the knob. It actually comes with one of those for your folks out there. Yeah. Um, but uh, this basically will give you that 1952 tone that people chase. Okay. Yeah. There are, uh, Trev Wilkinson has told me that there are a lot of reasons on how to get that tone, okay? And it's not the pickup. It's That's part of it, okay? Okay. But it's probably not the most important thing. It's it's the of, uh, the bridge, right? Eh, that's like at least half. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you're going to get a lot of guys that will get this style of guitar, and right. then they'll get an aluminum bridge with the size taken off, and they get six uh, stainless steel saddles, for instance, or something of that nature. Right, right. Um, they say it still doesn't sound like a 52. I don't know what, well, I, I, it must be the pickup. I'm going to get a, you know, a Nordstrand or a, a Duncan or whatever. 
Right. And they right, spend right. $200 and they put the pickup in and it doesn't make any difference. Okay. What really makes this guitar speak is what I like to call the tomato soup. Okay. You can open a can of Campbell's tomato soup and it's going to taste okay. But if you've ever had tomato soup done by a really great chef, right. Spectacular. The ingredients are mostly the same, but a really great chef knows how to get the right amount of spices, the right amount of this, how to cook it at the right temperature. Yes. Okay. Yep. So to start with, this has to be stamped steel. If it's not magnetic, you're already halfway out. Right, because that, 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 crisp, that crisp high end. Well, is it's because it's all magnetic. Okay. Right, um, right. Aluminum is not magnetic. There's a whole magnetic field nonsense that happens right in here yeah. when it's done like the original. Three brass saddles. Okay. Gotta be brass in pairs. That imparts part of that tone. These have the Wilkinson intonating saddles. You can see them. They're compensated. Yep, yep, yep. I could see that. And you can yep. get really great intonation. The screws are steel. These screws are steel. They're not alloy. The proper backing plate. This pickup is a lower output 50 style pickup. There's another version of this guitar that's got a based on the 60s one. And when I first asked Trev, because I didn't know what I was talking about, was like, right. why didn't you just call the white one with the Rosewood fingerboard a 60, a 52 AB? And why'd you call it a 62? And he said, well, in 62, Leo switched from this pickup to a hotter Strat style pickup with, okay. with staggered um poles that poles right yeah yeah so it's a different pickup it's a different sound the rosewood's different there's a fingerboard so american older body steel bridge brass saddles all steel screws and also important four you got the four bolt right and a one-piece neck no maple fingerboard skunk right. strike truss cycle this there's no fingerboard on this guitar it is a one-piece neck Oh, and gotcha. that gives you that real stiff single expanding truss rod, just like the original. So if you put this all together, if, you know, that's a big if, if this is the sound you want, like a original 52, this guitar will give it to you. And it's all those little things, you know, American wow. older body, the right recipe here, the full size pots, three way switch, one piece Canadian rock maple neck, and you're good to go. Now, am I right that, in the post-CBS years, a lot of the fenders switched over to three-bolt necks. Yeah. Uh, there's a, I think I asked Trev about that, and, and some of the thinking is that uh, one of the strongest joints is triangulation. Okay, okay. It's a very strong joint. What I think kind of messed that up was the... Uh, um, it, it's a softer maple. You know, uh, the, the neck tilt. That they okay. included in that made the necks a little, yeah. You know, because it wasn't really the idea of triangulation, which is a screw here, screw here, screw here. It was yeah. much more a matter of that little piece that under there that allowed the neck to shift a little bit, and probably some of the manufacturing quality slipped a little bit too. Um, but the four bolt neck pattern, um, to be honest with you, really all you ever need is the two back screws closer to the headstock because the strings hold the rest of it down. Oh, that makes but sense. The, yeah, the four bolt neck pattern is fine, and it works. I thought it, I always works. thought four bolt is better than three bolt, but that I'm not sure. I'm not a physicist, but I I do know that a lot of uh, Trev had mentioned that triangulation with um, the way that works is a very strong joint. Okay, and it's also ironically enough featured in in quite a few silver tones. Here's another one I'm thinking of reissuing. This is an original, um, but see three bolts. Look at that. And that neck will not move. Wow. No cracks. You can hammer a fence post with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, there's another example of, you know, triangle screws and it works. It's a very strong joint that way, um, which is pretty cool. That is pretty but cool. I, what's great about the uh, D-style guitars is that, you know, you can swap necks out. They're really easy to replace parts. It's pure genius i got to uh uh about five years ago i was traveling with my west coast rep okay and i don't know california very well you know growing up in rhode island that's the opposite direction but 
we were going down this highway and I saw GNL. I was like, that's GNL. And he goes, yeah, I used to work for them. I was like, seriously, oh, I would love to tour that factory. He goes, I'll set it up tomorrow. I'm like, yes, all right. So I got to tour the whole GNL factory. It was phenomenal. I had a great time. They make phenomenal stuff. They um, do. But I bought. I have a GNL. I bought from Scott, and you know Scott was explaining to me, you know, when Leo left, uh, that the quality was way up there. And I used to own a um, a seventy eight Strat, which was really a good, good, good Strat. This was better. This, this yeah. the, the quality was crazy good, and the sound is amazing. Yeah, it was a really good factory tour. And um, at the end of the tour, the guy goes, "You want to see something?" I said, "Yeah." He goes opens this door and it was a door that went into Leo's office that they haven't touched since he passed away. That you you go into this room and there's still all these drafts of he was building his own boat and it's covered in dust. And then you go through this other door and it's his his room that's pictured many times with the box with all the necks. And that that he had that had all the pickups that he would try stuff out with. God, it's giving me chills right now. Yeah. The genius of that man, it's it's hard to underestimate how much he did for the industry and the reverence that so many of the great builders um, have for that guy, you know, Uh, and certainly you look at these designs and and you got guys like Trev that improve upon them a little bit and certainly Tom Anderson and Sewer Guitars, these high-end guys that make phenomenal fender kind of guitars and have tweaked them in their own way but the whole idea of having interchangeable parts and being able to customize a guitar easily uh, look at all of the uh, manufacturers that now make pickups that retrofit yeah how easy it is to drop in a set of pickups with a soldering gun you know yeah i mean we used to do we had a little probably bought it out of the series catalog when i was a kid about eight years old i had this little soldering kit and i was making this stupid noise with some electronic thing that my mother bought me you could do that a kid with basic skills can build his own kit it's phenomenal yeah it really is it really is so yeah that's that's what's really capitalized on a lot of the um the vintage stuff is trev took all these classic designs and made subtle improvements that really work they do improve the guitars in a lot yeah. of ways yeah this is bad news for me because it's going to cost me money i'm going to have to hop on the website <laughs> now how that's long has vintage, yeah how long has vintage been around i'm thinking 84. hang on a minute it's, it's I, thereabouts I, yeah i'm pretty sure it's 1984. and i think what did i just notice let me try to get this on camera Oh my goodness. I've got a vintage amp. It's wow. the Ventura. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, they. I think that was 84 when they started. Trev Wilkinson did a complete redesign of the brand about 15 years ago. That's really, yeah, that's oh, crazy. Yeah, they hired him to, to just completely revamp the line and uh, redesign it, use all his hardware, fix some of the things, change some things. Um, you had talked about um, um, the V100s, which are this style. Here's oh, my best, God, is that gorgeous. Our best-selling guitar. Um, yeah, look at that. Cap locks, the knobs. Um, you know, again, we're talking under the hood stuff, so it doesn't look like it, but this actually goes two frets lower. Really? Because of the drop shoulder. Oh, that's a gorgeous guitar. That the really he's is. He's designed the curves. It doesn't look like it, but you get easier access to the highest frets. And look at that finish. Yeah. And this guitar, unlike a lot of guitars of this style, in this price point, uses a long neck tendon. Um, Explain that. Okay. So originally, Gibson designed the neck to get glued in all the way down to here. So there's a mortise and tenon joint. I think okay. that's my intended joint, but goes down to here. Okay. Gotcha. In the Norlin era, they moved it up to here to save wood. So most of the guitars you'll find, the neck will be glued in right to the bottom where the, the last fret is. Trev believes that you get a more stable neck and everything by using a long neck tendon, which these actually do. Yeah. Do. And you get the sustain. If you have that wood right under the pickup, 
Yeah. How, how does hard. it not help you sustain, right? Yeah, exactly. It's hard to quantify this stuff, but all things being equal, the, the physics makes sense. That it's yeah. going to be a stronger connection. It's going to be a better connection to the body. Um, oh the God. other thing is, and it's hard to see, but do you see that little discoloration there? Sort of. That's the yeah, maple a little bit. cap. A lot okay. of guitars that you'll see will not have a maple cap. They'll have the veneer, okay. but it'll be just mahogany. Okay. But, but this guitar, typically, the real design is mahogany back, mahogany neck, long neck tenon with a half inch thick maple cap, which this has. And then, of course, they put the veneer over Half the inch is thick. I mean, that's. It is. And this is yeah. a real half inch thick maple cap. Wow. And this, this will give you that tone. And he's re engineered, um, reverse engineered the right pickups and all that stuff. He also believes that. Um, the proper neck angle for this style of guitar is three degrees. And that's okay. another thing that a lot of manufacturers don't pay attention to. They just go, well, it's supposed to be like this. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That's not what they originally thought of. You know, he, to get this guitar to wear right, to where it feels right, you want the neck to body angle to be about three degrees. That is just a gorgeous guitar. Look at that. This is our best selling guitar. And our second best selling guitar is this guy. I love them both. Yeah. Now, now I, I know you have a, tell us about the pro shop. Oh yeah. I forgot to pull any of those out, but I've got a bunch of them here. So let's just have some fun with gig bags. Yeah. Like um, secret Santa. So the pro shop, the way this happened is um, we, when I started signing, cause I also do artist relations for the company on okay. top of um, uh, product manager. Um, so a lot of artists would say, hey, I want that guitar, but could you do this? Like something as simple as I know this model only comes with a maple neck. Could you swap a neck with a rosewood? Like, yeah, we can do that. Right, right. What about putting a humbucker in this three single coil guitar instead of three single gotcha. coils? Yeah, right, we right. can do that. That Right down the street from me is a guy, um, Kevin Easton. Uh, you okay. can look him up. Easton's Shakorama. Um, right. He used to work for the company long before I came aboard. He worked in the custom shop where we used to own uh, Charvel Jackson guitars. Before we oh, okay. So this guy is a very, very high level. He can build anything. Um, and so we started doing, I would get him to do these things. And we thought, well, let's just make these available to people. You know, let's just come up with something. We got spare parts. Let's modernize some of these things and just make them available. And it just blew up. Okay. So we started it in the U.S. Um and we're still doing it. The uh, If you want to go to order one custom, we're running it through the, the brand owner's shop. You can go to uh, Vintage Guitars R US, not US. Put the R in front of it and yeah. go to their pro shop. You can tell them what you want and they'll build it. Wow. I love that. Let's, Let's do our secret Santa. I want to see what's in the bag. Here's a cool one. Yeah, this is nice. So we, this is another one that only comes with Normally a maple fingerboard and three right. single coils. So we put two vintage humbuckers in it with a black pickguard. That's really an attractive guitar. Yep. Fire breathing dragon, man. Right there. Yeah, look no at that. No coil taps, just straight up high output. Those yeah. This is what he calls his vintage voiced pickups. I like that. They're hot. That's cool. Let's see what we got here. Ooh, this is neat. Oh, you got the lipsticks in there. Yeah, this was done by another tech that we have around here called Willie Smith. So yeah. that's a, a basically a Gretsch style humbucker. Okay. Married to two single coils lipsticks. Kind oh, that's, I love that. That's a fun guitar. Yeah, I thought it would look real pretty with the that Ferenda Red. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that'd be cool. Um, Got that one done. It is Christmas at Guitar Tales. It is. This is the fun stuff, you know. We see what yeah. these guys do. Oh, this was neat, too. This one wasn't NAM last time, so we took the V65. Oh, look at that. And put foil pickups in it. Look at that. And these have uh, their dual coils with coil taps for each pickup. Oh, wow. So you can get single coil or dual coil out of it. Look at that. Isn't that cool? That is that that is a funky looking guitar. Yeah. Yep. 
myself, we're always trying stuff. And, and these are all made for sale off our website. They're one of a kind. On the back of the headstock, um, should say here. Yeah. So it says, uh, which way we're going? There you go. Pro Shop. Oh, yeah. Nice. So it comes, it, these will include the gig bag. They'll have um, the difference between these outside of the modern kind of mucking around with you with the hardware. These get a full fret level crown and polish. They're guaranteed to play one millimeter at the 15th fret, super low action. Um, we treat the back of the neck so they feel great. If it's signing finish, we do this thing that um, Kevin calls a glassed neck. He won't tell oh. me how he does it, but it feels unbelievable. It feels like this neck has been around for 50 years. Wow. And then we put the pro shop thing. It comes with a certificate of authenticity. And most of these guitars are around, you know, eight to 1200 bucks. For I'll a tell you a very guitar. quick story that you're going to yeah. have for, your, for yeah. your, your viewers. So we were at a, um, the Dallas Guitar Show. It was about three years ago. Okay. And I'd given a guitar to Kevin and said, uh, let's just build me something and bring it to the show, you know, um, on Saturday. So I didn't have a price on it. And he came up with this. It was a um, our V6 body, three uh, single, single humbucker. He relicked it all out. It, it looked really great. He's great at that stuff. Yeah. And uh, I just sat out on a stand with a couple of the pro shop guitars. So this guy comes by from California and he's playing it. He came back like three times and he kept playing it and then he would disappear. Right. So I'm like, I guess the guy's interested. So the last time he comes back, he goes, I'm trying to decide between this guitar and one over here. Can I take this to the other booth and compare it through an amp they have? I'm like, yeah, sure, take it. So he yeah. goes away and he comes back about 10 minutes later and he goes, um, he goes, I like this one better. How much is it? And I said, it's it's 750. He goes, $7,500. I said, no, it's $750. <laughs> I just compared it to a custom shop that's $3,400, and this thing ate its lunch. Wow. He bought that one and ended up buying two more that weren't pro shops, just stuff that we were blowing out. I usually try to bring a lot of B-stock to those shows, scratch and dents and stuff like that. Yeah. So, again, you take a guitar that has good hardware, like a lot of the Wilkinson stuff, really good pickups. If the 60s, 50s, 60s is your thing, yeah, don't need to change them. All full-size alpha pots, don't need to change the pots or the caps or anything. You do a really nice fret job on it. Next right. level, adjust the nuts so that everything tunes perfectly. Seriously, you know, I mean, that I is... $3,000 for a sticker on the headstock. Hell Am yeah. I right? Yeah. Well, I like your happens, sticker. This happens all the time. You know, it's 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 an alder body guitar with a rock maple neck and wood screws with furniture grade wood. Which yeah. The only reason Leo used alder was because it was cheap at the lumberyard. It right. wasn't a tone wood when he started. Um, but it, it created the music we all listen to. Yeah. And he, he was a genius at designing stuff that works. Yeah. Oh, this oh let's see this one. Oh, I'm digging oh. that a lot. He took this guitar and we had a body. The neck was bad, so we put a different body on it. I don't. You can't see it, but if you look at how shiny those frets are. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, you're getting it with the light. Yeah, you're. This is a world class fret job done by. So that guys. that is. It's funny. I I am partial to maple for that reason, but you know, as opposed to rosewood. But that one, that's like a maple neck that's darker. Yeah. You know. So, so we got I, some aftermarket knobs. Um, he heat treated the pickup. I don't know if you could see it. He turned it blue. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I think he hit it with a blowtorch or something. I don't know how he did it. Oh, that's that was fun. done by Kevin Easton over at the sh his shop. Oh, that is fun. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Re now I reverse I, headstock. Yep. Oh, that's I the rock and roll it. stuff right there. <laughs> oh my god, look at that. Now I have heard a rumor that you sell guitars that are missing two out of the six strings. And they're a little thicker. Scott gave you a clue on the look at the, look at your screen. <laughs> oh, 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 basis. Okay, you threw me for a loop there. Yeah. yeah I know. 
We're, I'm a bass player, so I'm a little slow. You'll have to yeah, kind of... That, that, they say that about you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to try to keep up here. Yeah. That's a gorgeous that's, one right there. That's another top seller because a lot of guys, again, they want that that Jocko tone, yeah. fretless with lines, um, but they, they cost a fortune. Um, I'm a huge fan of those pickups that Trev designed in those. If you look at... Um, boy, there's a lot of guys. Uh, the bass player with Beth Hart, is touring with those bases. Uh, you could look at Winona's new video, the great bassist Dow Tomlin in Nashville has about three of them and they're all okay. stock. All we did was a really nice fret job for his bases. And that's all he's been playing for the last three or four years on Winona's wow. tour. And um, Matt Bissonette just picked up two more. Um, he just got off a tour with uh, Elton John. He's okay. Three or four of those, not the Jocko specifically, but those pickups, with that style of bass. Wow. So we got some heavy hitters playing them because the pickups sound good and they and they play well. They play well. Yeah. So and, and now are you guys all guitars? Or you you build the pedals. You got the guitars. You got the basses. You got the, the pedals. I think don't you have Stompbox too? Didn't you take over? Yes. If you look behind us, we distribute the Big Joe Stompbox. Okay. And because a lot of guys aren't too familiar with this technology that I've been using for three years now, I think you guys are going to really love that. <clears throat> yeah, let's take a look. Ooh. Oh, it's little. I like yeah. that. Liz. What is it? It's LI2. Oh, okay. And this one battery's dead. But anyway, it is a lithium battery okay. that powers your pedal board. It's a thousand oh. milliamps. Um, Steve Vai is using six of these on his pedal board, from what I understand. Wow. Um, as you get more high gain and more high gain, what do you get in your system? Noise. Yeah, so that cancels Especially it. for knuckleheads like me that play in bars, you know? Yeah. So I'm you can either go out of the front of the stage and plug your $1,500 of boutique pedals into yeah. some beer-soaked power outlet, or you could just turn it on. Um, oh. Check this out. You can run as many pedals as you want, is okay. what this looks like. So that's tiny. Yeah, it is tiny. So this is telling me that it's 99% charged. Okay. It's pulling zero milliamps. Right. Look at and that. That's percentage of charge. So I'm going to put this on a pedal board. Oh, I love this thing. When I go to a gig, I throw my board down, I turn the battery on, I plug in two cables, plug in an amp, and I go get a beer while everybody's on their knees on that beer-soaked stage. Look at that. That's a gorgeous pedal board, too. Yeah. So you can see the LI2. I'll see if I can get this. So right Yeah, now, I got it right at the bottom right from our perspective. All of these are turned on. So, again, I can run all of these pedals for 11.1 .1 hours. Oh, look at that. That's the milliamps, and that's the percentage of charge. That's brilliant. So you're plugging in your amp, but you're not plugging in your board for power, that is. This never gets plugged into the wall, so there's no wall noise. There's no fluorescent lights getting into your high-gain distortion box. It uh, charges with a USB-C. So oh, I've plugged my pedal board into my car on the way to the gig if I need more charge or plug it into your computer. It comes with a power supply, whatever, but it's it's universal. Yeah. Um, and it's got two outputs. And a lot of guys say, well, it's only 1,000 milliamps. You know, what if you need more? You're not thinking. Just buy another one. All right. Only yeah. 150 bucks. If you want 3,000 milliwatts, just buy three. Okay. Wow. You know, it just plugs in. It's it's standard. Now, there are limitations. Obviously, there's some heavyweight digital gear that requires a, a ton of milliamps. So it's not going to be the right product for everybody. But for medium to small pedal boards, this thing is. That's brilliant. I, I can't imagine why anybody would want to use something else. I've, I've had it on my pedal board for three years, and there's no way I would go back to my old plug-in system. That, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Quiet, no noise, no hassle. Just make sure you keep it charged up at home. Check it before you go. Turn it off. Throw your board down. Plug it in, and you're done. And you, and you keep an extra that's charged. That's the other thing. Yeah, keep keep a backup around. A lot of guys do that too. Yeah. We sell a ton yeah. of these things. There. Oh, that's a great thing. So yeah. let me ask you. So 
let's let's talk about how people can find uh, vintage because uh, I'm sure. yeah I, I'm in love <laughs> with all your products. I got to tell you, I'm going to assume that um, not everybody of our viewers here are going to be from the United States. So there's two URLs. We we started our own uh, website in 2015 when I took this gig, um, just because I, I figured the market for the U.S. was going to grow. Um, yeah, I've been cocky at the time, but um, I knew I wanted to be able to have my own artists because moving from Nashville and, and being a player there for many years, I had a lot of friends that I know that would help me, you know, that could play these guitars out and help me grow the brand. Right. So if they want to go to the U.S. site, the U.S. site is VintageGuitarsUS.com. Perfect. And, and again, we're the distributor, not the brand owner. The brand owner site is Vintage Guitars R U.S. Gotcha. And that's for everybody outside the U.S. And that'll take you to the John Horby Skews website, the brand owners, which also, by the way, has a lot more stuff than we we import. They have every obviously every model they ever make. I carry maybe about half, maybe more than that, of, of the models that they choose. Uh, and I see we've got the banner on the lower third of our screen right now. Yeah, you could, you could, oh, yeah, yeah. you got to you got, see, I'm only 59. I'm not old like you. You're 60. Oh, okay. So I could see it better. Yeah. It's coming, buddy. Yeah, Wait allegedly. Do you have any siblings? I do. And he's five years younger. So. Oh, yeah. He's going to light you up, man. I got an older brother and a younger brother. And when I turned 60, I, the gag gifts came nonstop. It was hilarious. Oh, I bet. Yeah. We it, piled on my older brother. My younger brother turns 60 next year and he's in for it. Yeah, you got to get him. Yeah, but you won't, yeah, even re you won't even remember at that point. You'll be so oh, old. Yeah. <laughs> then a preparation age via Amazon and just. That's right. That's it's right. <laughs> well, this has been off the charts fun. I feel like an 11 year old kid in a toy store when we talk. Yeah, like this. I love geeking out in this stuff. As you can tell, it's always yeah. fun. And I, I've been really, really fortunate to spend time with um, a guy like Trev Wilkinson that knows so much about this stuff. I've been to his shop several times. I've been to England at the corporate offices. Vintage, right. they're a great bunch of guys. They really know what they're doing and they they are dedicated to doing things the right way. Yeah. You know, not just trying to do a cheap imitation of something. It's like, no, let's just do it right. Do yeah, it right doesn't mean it has to be expensive. Yeah, it's that that is if this were a book, I'd say that's jumping off the page, you know? Yeah. And it, that's, it, that was the whole point, you know, pack the guitars full of good stuff that any pro that does, you know, professional work can enjoy, but that, that somebody who's just learning can, can acquire right. of means and, and have the right guitar. And right. Because have to go, well, I bought this guitar, but I have to change the pickup because the noisy and the bridge won't stand tuned and the tuners are skipping. It's like, no, you don't need, don't buy a cheap guitar and then spend $600 upgrading at the parts. Just buy one of these. And yeah. Done with. Do it once, do it right. Right. Do it once and do it right. Yeah. Well, Rick Taylor, I got to thank you. This was so much fun. So always much fun. fun for me. Always uh, fun. I love your show. And um, I, I really uh, genuinely appreciate the invite. It's been oh, great. It's our great pleasure. And we look, for all of you folks watching the show, if you can, hop on our YouTube page. It's a lot of work, but just do this and hit subscribe. Try it. You could do it. You could do it. Eye of the Tiger. You could do it. Subscribe. You see what I'm doing? Subscribe. Rick's doing it. He could do it. It's called a mouse. Yeah, just use a mouse. And we have a lot of great shows coming up. But one uh, that I, I just want to mention as a standout, uh, we had the great Phil X on our show. Um and it was so great because a week after he was on our show, we saw him online jamming with Michael Anthony. Uh, we've decided. Oh. oh, yeah, it was so great. I felt proud. Wow. I, called my, I called my son. I said, look, this guy was on our show. And so we're doing a uh, Van Halen uh, panel discussion. And Phil X has been gracious enough to agree to appear on the show. We'll probably tape that in November. We're really excited about that because everybody's a Van Halen fan. Like there's no how one who is. How can you not be? Yeah, That's a great yeah. man. What a genius yeah. player! Yeah. Oh my god! And then and then let's not forget Michael's harmonies. Oh my god! So we could yeah. we could do the. It's it's insane. So I saw, I saw Van Halen live in 1981 at the New Haven Civic Center in Connecticut. Wow! Mind blown. 
I yeah. was not expecting. You mentioned vocals, blew me away. Their vocals were scary good. Yeah, the best yeah, they, I'd heard in a long time. That was a yeah. great show. Oh, that's that, eighty one is a great time to see them too. Wow, very loud. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Well, thank you again, and we will yeah, see you. you. Oh, absolutely, and we'll see you next time at Guitar Tales. Hey, man, it's Phil X, and you're watching Guitar Tales with Dave Cohen and Guitar Tales. Guitar tales. Like, what else do you need, right? Guitar. We're geeks, nerds, gear, inspirations, positive vibes. Look out.